My name is Julie Turney, and this is HR Sound Off, the show created for HR and business professionals to discuss pertinent HR topics. But ultimately, we will be settling some of the many misconceptions that people have about the human resources profession. Some weeks you will hear from my guests, and other times it will be just you and me in the sound booth. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's sound off. Hello, everyone. And today's episode, I am super excited to welcome to the sound booth Enrique Rubio. Enrique is the founder of Hacking HR. And we're going to talk all about Hacking HR in today's episode. I don't even know how to introduce this man. There's just so much (laughs) that I could say about Enrique. But what I will say is that Enrique and I met um, in September 2019, when I first started my journey in my year of yes, when I was saying yes to everything. And Enrique, I met him through LinkedIn, amazing platform. And I challenge all of you professionals out there who are not properly utilizing LinkedIn. You really need to, because there are some amazing people on there who really want to help you on your journey. And Enrique definitely is one of those people. So when I met Enrique in September of 2019, I told him, this is my year of yes, what's left of the year. And this is what I plan to do. And Enrique said, oh, well, I'm planning this conference. And would you be willing to assist? And I said, sure, I'll do anything if you want me to do. Just let me know and I'll be happy to help. Little did I know that in March of 2020, I would be moderating one of the sessions that Enrique had for his global virtual conference on LinkedIn with two amazing people, Tracy Sponnenberg and Eric Kruschak, who are now two of my very good friends, again, meeting through LinkedIn. So ladies and gentlemen, I am happy to welcome to today's show, the man, Enrique Rubio. (laughs) Welcome, Enrique. (laughs) Thank you, Julie. Thank you so much. It is such a privilege to be here with you. And, you uh, you know, looking back, it was, uh, I I was just, as, as you were telling the story, I remember that you and I had a Zoom call, and I think it was probably a week later, maybe yes. not even a week later, that I sent you a message saying, like, Julie, do you want to moderate this panel? And you said immediately, yes. Yes. And uh, <laughs> so it all happened really, really quickly, and it was fantastic. So I am, I'm, I'm very honored to know you and, uh, you know, that you joined us. Thank you so much. I really am happy to, I was so psyched to be a part of that event and I'm looking forward to 2021 or whatever that brings and whatever you throw at me, I will definitely be willing to, to take charge on that. And yeah, is I'm it, just is happy. This a year of, is this a year of yes version 2.0? The year of yes is, is continuing no matter what, COVID awesome. or no COVID, we still go, we still at it. Look, here we are and yes. we're going through COVID, you know, so um, I'm just trying to find the positive in, in everything, you know what I mean? Yeah. So Enrique, tell the audience a little bit about yourself and how you got to the point where you decided to found Hacking HR. Yeah, absolutely. Well, once again, thank you so much for inviting me. And just a little bit about myself. I, I live right now in the United States. I'm from Venezuela, in case somebody didn't notice my accent. <laughs> and I was born in Caracas. And, uh, you know, I spent most of my career working as an engineer. And I, I enjoyed it. I had a great time working in telecommunications. But one thing that happens in technology is that you feel a little, uh, you know, separated from the work with people, right? I mean, you're serving a customer 
but you are not necessarily working with that customer. And I right. really, you know, I, I normally draw a lot of my energy and my inspiration by working with others. And I was thinking, you know, what, what could I do to work with people rather than just technology? So I started working in sales a little bit and then I, you know, I enjoyed it, but I said, there's going to be something else. And that's when I found HR like about 10 years ago, a little bit over 10 years ago. Okay. So I, I, decided to you know get into my into the HR career so I switched from working in technology in telecommunications to working in HR and about a couple of years ago one thing that I noticed was the disconnect between technology and HR but in addition to that I myself was going through some personal experiences where in my work I was doing the same thing day in and day out and I was thinking you know I have all this creative potential and there's no outlet for this so what could I do to bridge the gap between technology and HR, but also give myself the opportunity to find, you know, an outlet for this creativity? Mm-hmm. And that's when I found, uh, the, when, I, when I thought about the possibility of creating Hacking HR, and that's how it came to exist. And it is called Hacking HR because in technology, you know, the basic uh, or one of the most basic levels of everything that we know, at least in software, is lines of coding. And when you want to change something, you don't change the front end. You don't change the super the, what's superficial about something. If you really want to change something, you got to go to those lines the of back code end. and the yeah. back end, correct. And that mm-hmm. is hacking something. So to me, changing the work that we do in HR to do it better, not that we have done it too badly before, but you know, right. there are many things that we have to do differently. Mm-hmm. And to me, the name of hacking HR made sense because one, one, you know, on the one hand, it combined technology and HR, but on the other hand, it was just going to the core of HR and, you know, sort of telling people, you know, we got to go to the lines of code, right, yeah. to, to change the things that we're doing. Not we got to dig deeper. Correct. We got we to gotta go deep, you know, because yeah. for so long, we have just stayed in the in the, in the, in the shallowness of, of, of what happens in HR mm-hmm. that we have missed, you know, great, the greatest opportunities ever to go deep. And, and that's when, you know, that's when I create a hacking HR. So that's a little bit about me. That's a little bit about hacking HR. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for that. And, and it's amazing how you came from a completely different background into HR because a, a lot of us as HR professionals, as if you talk to us, you realize we did not have that original background where we started in HR. A lot of us came into HR from other areas. So my background is I came from sales. And that's where I first started. And I realized, yes, I like to deal with customers, but like you, I thought there had to be something more. And over time, that's how I got into HR 15 years down the road and still loving it. So I really love your story and it really does resonate with me. And I know it's going to resonate with our with our listeners as well. So what does a hacking HR chapter look like? Yeah, that's. Let, let me back backtrack a little bit mm-hmm. you know, from that question. I'm, I'm, of course, I'm gonna I'm gonna you know respond to that question, but I want to say first that hacking HR is organized in a couple of levels, okay. a local level and a global level. At a local level, we are organized through chapters all throughout the world. Right now, mm-hmm. we have uh, 80 plus chapters everywhere, and the goal for the end of this year is to have. Uh, 200 hacking nature chapters which of course is a little bit challenging right now because of all that's going on people are very distracted Mm -hmm. but that's a goal right and then we are also organized at a global level where 
we bring a global community together through you know, our, the workshops that we do globally, the conferences that we do globally, the interviews that we're doing, the Slack channel that we have with you know, 6,000 yes, people. Yes, yes, so, Slack channel is of, amazing. Yes, lots of stuff going on in there. A little mm-hmm. overwhelming, I gotta say, but, <laughs> but a lot of stuff going on in there. There so, is. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's like, you know, everybody's posting something and it's great because that's mm-hmm. at the end of the day what we're looking to do here. You know, we're, we want to create a, a community of collaboration among HR leaders and HR professionals. And to do that, you know, the, the role of Hacking HR is to build as many bridges as possible for people to be able to connect with others. Now, we're building the bridges. Now, people got to you know, go and cross those bridges, you know, like yes. we, we can't make them cross the bridges, you know, we just build them so that they have the opportunity to connect with people like you and I are connected here and you connect with Trace and Eric and the same way with many other people around the world. Mm-hmm. So the local level with the chapters, what the chapters do is they leave, they leave the mission that we have in Hacking HR, which is creating a community and talking about all things that are important at the intersection of future of work, technology, organizations, people, innovation, HR, and to leave that mission at the local level. So we got a couple of principles that are very critical for the, for the local chapters that we create. One of them is that the chapters are open communities. And what that means is that anybody is welcome to participate in a Hacking HR chapter, whether you are a practitioner, a leader, a consultant, a, a, you know, a vendor, or whether you're not in HR, you know, it mm-hmm. doesn't matter. You know, everybody's welcome to participate in a Hacking HR chapter. Right. And the second principle that we have at the local level is that the chapters are self-organized. And what that means is that they decide how to run their chapters, their agenda, their format, the speakers they want to invite, as long as they abide by the principle of being an open community yes. that talks about future of work, technology, innovation, people, organization. Blah, blah, blah. So that's, they're agile. So they're agile. They are very agile. So yes. that's what we're doing at, at the local level and also the global level, but at the local level, that that sort of uh, the, the, the day-to-day action or operation of the chapter, it, you know, relies upon, um, relies on people that are in any given city making that vision happen. Mm-hmm. So, so that's a little bit about the operation of Hacking HR. Mm-hmm. And what I really love, and I'm going to go back to your Slack channel because I joined the Slack channel last year and I have to say, I have been able to grow my network in link on LinkedIn in the Slack, through the Slack channel. There are so many people that I have met from the Slack channel alone that I probably wouldn't have met just by trying to find them on LinkedIn on my own. So one of the benefits of that Slack channel, there are so many, like we could have a whole show about that Slack channel alone. <laughs> but um, one, of, one of the benefits that I've really found with that Slack channel is there's a, a chat box called Max. And yes. what Max does is Max matches you with mentors based on different topics that you may be interested in as an individual. So if I'm interested in recruitment, Max is going to match me, match me with someone who specializes in recruitment. If I'm interested in culture, he's going to match me with someone who is can mentor me on the basis of culture. So with all of those things, you have that happening. But then you have so many amazing people who come and they go, hey, we're going to do this summit. We're going to do this Zoom call. We're going to do this virtual meeting. Do you want to jump on, jump on, jump on, jump on? So it, it truly, what you have created is a true community in the sense of what HR community should look like. 
And I think for a lot of us who may have been struggling for a very long time in terms of the disconnect amongst ourselves, let's face it, as HR professionals, there was a huge disconnect for a long time because you have people who just knew what they knew. They were not interested in either sharing their information. And from an HR perspective, people kept things inside for a long time. And then here comes Enrique creating this community. And there are other communities, but this particular community, Hacking HR, where people now share everything, you name it, you want to find it, you can find it in that Hacking HR Slack channel. So if people wanted to connect those people who don't know, how can they find that Slack channel, connect to it? How can they connect on Hacking HR to form a chapter? How do they make it happen? Just connect with me. You know, they, you know, I, in the website, we have the link to the Slack channel, but if they want to create a chapter and, uh, you know, we have a little bit of a process for that, very agile process, but, you know, nonetheless, a little bit of a process, a process. they can connect with me and I'll be happy to, you know, guide them through that process. Um, you know, I, I also want to say a couple of things about the Slack channel. Uh, well, first of all, the, the, the mentoring program ha- had been a dream of mine since mm-hmm. I created Hacking HR because to me, the most important principle of all the work that I do is building the bridges that I mentioned before. That's the most important thing of, of what I do. Okay. Because I, I do know that we have to talk about future of work, innovation, technology, mm-hmm. and all those things. But I know that I don't have to be the one talking about those things all the time or people that are directly involved in speaking at the events in the, in the Hacking National community. Mm-hmm. That The conversation about those topics can happen organically within the community that we're creating. So the most important thing for us is to make sure that there are enough ways for people to connect among themselves within the community yeah. so that they can talk about these things. So when I when I created the Hacking HR community and the Slack channel, which was uh, mid-2018, uh, one of the things that I really wanted and that I dreamed with was to create a mentoring program. Of course, I couldn't, I couldn't do it at the beginning because... The traditional approach to mentoring is, you know, you bring people that are mentors, you bring people yes, that are mentees, maybe. and you match them one-on-one. Mm-hmm. And that, I, I wouldn't have been able to do that because, you know, that, that would have been too, 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 too time-consuming. Yeah. And then I came across this fantastic platform, Humaxa, with Carolyn Peer, that I hope you interview her one day because yeah. she is phenomenal. Uh, you know, I... Send her my know, way. <laughs> you know, it is, it is, when you think about the people in the world that are authentic selfless, committed to, you know, to making things fantastic for everybody. Mm-hmm. She's one of them. Okay. I mean, yes, she has a business and she has to make it work, but for her, it's not about the business. For her, it's about the changes that her business can, uh, you know, mm-hmm. help happen. Mm-hmm. Anyway, you know, big, big commercial here for, for, a for her. She's amazing. <laughs> but anyway, you know, she came, we came across each other and then we connect and then, you know, she offered, Enrique, do you want to use Max? Uh, within the Slack channel to to help do the mentoring in a in an automatic fashion, and I said, of course I want that. I mean, I've been dreaming with that for such a long time, and if we can do it automatically, that would be fantastic. And ever since we implemented it in in the Slack, it's been great because it's connecting yes. people like you, me, mm-hmm. many other folks around the world Absolutely. around topics 
that are uh, uh, important for for us, right? That, that are yeah. relevant for us. Yeah. And I don't know when this program is going to air, but we are going to be releasing a new thing through Max, which is going to be very very cool. I don't want to say anything about that right now. Okay. Okay. But there's a new thing coming up soon, Woo. and it's going to be very 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 cool. And I am excited. Another way to um, to build community, but also to learn from the community. So anyway, okay. that's uh, I wanted to say that because the Slack channel is one of the expressions of the way we are helping realize this community Absolutely. and achieve the goal of creating a better HR, which is once again, building bridges and avenues and different ways for people to connect with each other. And in Slack, like you said before, there are mm-hmm. 100,000 things happening every day. Yes, so. every day, every minute, and all kinds of times of the hour. I had to put <laughs> mine on mute because sometimes 11, 12 o'clock, someone comes up with an idea, they put it in there. You're grateful for it. When it Sometimes when I get up in the morning, I'm like, 56 messages, what? <laughs> That's that's exactly right. Yeah. <laughs> but all definitely beneficial and really appreciate that you made the effort to create that Slack channel. Let's talk a little bit now about the, the Future of Work conference that you created in March. How did that materialize in your mind? Like from the time you conceptualized it, what made you conceptualize it? And then how did it give birth? Absolutely. Well, for those of uh, your listeners who don't know, uh, at the beginning of March, we put together, I mean, we put it together before, but we made it happen at the beginning of March, our Hacking HR 2020 Signature Global Conference, which was the HR Innovation and Future of Work. I conceived this event around November of last year, November of 2019, mm-hmm. and I said, I want to put together an event. I had already done several one-day summits, online summits, all for free. Right. And live, but also recorded, and we put all we put all the material up on our YouTube um, channel. Yeah, everybody has access to all that. Mm-hmm. So I said I want to do something larger, bigger, more impactful, impactful, and with more speakers and more people. And I said to myself, well, let's create a conference, and let's bring 150 speakers for that conference, and let's try to aim for 5,000 people. And as I was as I was putting that conference together, I was getting feedback in terms of content, ideas, and whatnot. I ended up having 225 speakers from all over the world. And I'm not just aggrandizing what I did. No. Is that we had people from all the yes. continents in the world, except yeah. Antarctica. We didn't have anybody from Antarctica. Maybe next year. <laughs> well, but hey, anything's possible. You never know. Hey, yes. hey you never know. <laughs> um, but, but we did have people from all continents in the world, yes. 225 speakers. We brought 11,000 participants also from all over the world. Yep. We delivered 60 sessions with 55 hours of content. Everything was made available for free. Mm-hmm. Everything was live and online. And when I say live, I mean real time. But yes. we also uploaded all the videos on our YouTube channel and they yes. are uh, you know, at hand for everybody who wants to have access to that content. Yep. So why did I do this? Why? Yes. What happened? Yeah, why? This is my my rationale. There are 12 million HR people in the world. And if you are very generous, but very, very generous, you can say that maybe there are 200,000 of all of them that are participating in some kind of HR event in the world. What that means is that 92 to 95% of all HR people in the world do not have access to these greatest minds that are doing research, that are sharing stories, insights, experiences to make HR better. 
And I said to myself, why is this happening? And of course, I came across a couple of situations. Number one, the conferences where you know, most of this content is discussed, they right. are expensive to participate in, you know, yes. in the thousands of dollars, number yes. one. Number two, they normally happen in cities like, you know, Las Vegas or Orlando or San yes. Francisco, Paris, you know, London. And most people can travel to those regions. You know, I cannot nope. do that myself. Nope. So, so it is expensive to participate. It is expensive to travel. And even if you had the money to pay the registration and to pay the travel, you still have to take a lot of time off work to go, to there. go there. And I said, I want to break up, you know, all these this assumptions and these paradigms on how these things have worked so mm-hmm. far. Mm-hmm. I want to put together a conference that is free, that is online, that is real time, but that, that, that is recorded and everything will be available for everybody later on. Mm-hmm. In addition to that, I want to make sure that the speakers that I am bringing are the same speakers or even better than the ones that are speaking at this large conference. Yes. And I'm going to bring, I'm going to try to bring the greatest minds in HR, future of work, innovation organizations. And that's what happened. You know, we, mm-hmm. we brought a lot of amazing thought leaders and, and, you know, I think it was, it was great. Yes. You know, so I think the, 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 the underlying foundation of what I did here with, with the conference was, bring people together mm-hmm. and I brought them together via the speakers and via participants from all over the world. Mm-hmm. But the idea was of course, to make sure that we were delivering something that people had access to without, without having to pay for it, without having to travel, without having to spend a lot of time off of work. And even if they couldn't see, couldn't see the things, you know, the sessions live, they yeah. would have the recordings available later on. Right. And that's what happened. Fortunately for us, you know, in amid the the tragedy that is going on in the world right now with the coronavirus, yeah. the, our conference happened exactly the week before everything went crazy, at least mm-hmm. here in the United States and in many European countries. Yes, you, I don't know if you remember, but it was like about March, starting on March eighth, when things mm-hmm. started to go very, very difficult and crazy and challenging everywhere in the world. Mm-hmm. Our conference was the week before. Yes. I don't know. You know, we were very fortunate and blessed that you know it, it happened in that way mm-hmm. and but anyway you know it was a great conference and then i'm already organizing the work for 2021 I my know. goal first of all i hope you're there i uh, hope uh, so too yeah you, you, i mean well that's you're gonna be there that's a, that's already a commitment, <laughs> that's already a commitment. and um, but you know we are um, what i'm expecting is to I, I want to bring 500 speakers from all over the world so i want to double the amount of sessions and uh, speakers i want to reach out to 30,000 participants and some people tell me like you know how about the diminishing marginal returns you know like you know is 500 speakers too many and you know what we're creating something that is for the taste of everybody so maybe Julie likes to talk about employee experience Enrique likes something about innovation I don't have to like employee experience then I don't participate in the employee experience thing exactly and you don't like you don't have to like innovation stuff and you don't have to Mm -hmm. participate in the innovation stuff Mm -hmm. but you will have all that content and all those possibilities put together to decide what is relevant for you and you can participate in that one thing. Yes. I am so excited to see all of this come together next year. I mean, if it was anything like this year and this was the first time you actually did something this big, but it ran seamlessly. I can't think of any part of the sessions that I attended that there were any hiccups or stickups it ran seamlessly and you just made it look so easy so i cannot wait to see what you bring to the fore 
next year. I really can't. But speaking of the Thank YouTube you. channel, I mean, that's truly amazing as well because I'm still watching videos from the conference, but catching up on others because you're moving so fast. Now you're in live <laughs> workshops. So I'm like, I see the live workshop and I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm so far behind. But the thing is they're there on YouTube. And like you said, you've made it accessible to every person in HR. And I really love that because there are so many of us who really can't afford to go to these conferences because some of us are not that fortunate to have leadership who believe in putting those costs to the fore for us to do them. So what you've done is you've closed that gap so that all the people who go to SHRM or go to CIPD or where or go to um, virtual learning conferences, wherever they go um, or wherever they travel to, you know, you've now closed that gap so that all the things that we would have probably missed because we couldn't afford to travel to those locations, you've put it all in one place. But the one thing you forgot to mention, Enrique, you also are giving points for yes. these, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, we gave, uh, for the conference in March, we gave 30 SHRM credits and 23.5 HRCI credits for the workshops that we're running right now. We're also giving credits. And by the way, it could have been, it could have been this is a secret that I'm revealing right now. It could have been more SHRM credits and it could have been more HRCI credits. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, I the, the, the problem was that I am doing all of these things by myself. Right. And, uh, you know, there, there, there are things that I needed to do to get more credits. And I unfortunately did not have enough time or, you know, energy, to, to, to be honest, yeah. you know, to do them. But uh, once again, you know, we, we did that because I know, well, let me backtrack a little bit. I, mm -hmm. I, I want to make sure that people understand that, the, you know, participating in a conference like the one I'm putting together is for the sake of learning, not necessarily for the credits, right? And, right. and I, oh, I was very sort of hesitant at the very beginning of Hacking HR to offer credits for the programs that we were doing because I didn't right. want people to join what we were doing for the credits, but more for the learning experience. Mm -hmm. But of course, then I came across this, this, uh, you know, as not this, this uh, thing that many people in HR get, you know, pay raises, promotions based on whether they have a certification or yeah. not. And I was thinking, you know, it would be selfish from selfish from, 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 from me to prevent people from getting access to these credits if I can do it. So if mm -hmm. I can do it, why not? So that's what I did, you know, and yeah. I, you know, I, I, I did that. And, you know, a lot of people, I think right now we had about 500 people who have gotten credits from both conferences and, and, you know, I think the majority of them wouldn't have gotten that many credits from any other event, at least not for free. So, yeah. Yeah. you know, I, I don't want to sound like, you know, uh, you know, too full of myself, but. Blow that trumpet. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I think, you know, it's, it's. I feel really privileged to, yes. to, to have been able to put this together and serve people in this way, you know, and, and, uh, mm -hmm. you know, I'm, I'm privileged and I'm, I'm honored and I am humbled that I, you know, that I am uh, fortunate enough to have one computer, to have good internet, you know, to have <laughs> put all these things together and to serve our community in the way that we're serving it. You know, it's, um, it's a privilege. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and, Honestly, Enrique, I must say, and to the audience, you know, Enrique truly is a very humble person and he wouldn't have put this together if he didn't believe in us as HR professionals, if he didn't believe that we would be able to carry the future of HR forward 
and made that sacrifice to do it for free. And then all of the other professionals who joined in and said, yes, we're going to jump on this bandwagon with you and we're going to support you and bring this amazing content to the fore. So you really must be commended for the effort that you have made to, to get to this point. It really is commendable. Well, no, thank, thank you for that. And I, I want to you know, go back to something that you just said, which is very, very, very important. This conference would not have happened without the 225 speakers that we brought, including yourself, and you know, their selfless commitment to make HR better, to you know, for their generosity, to give their time, their knowledge, their ideas that they have accrued over a long experience, over a long career, and they just brought that to this conference and they gave it back selflessly, and you know, we brought. 225 speakers and all of them were incredible. Mm -hmm. All of them were fantastic. And, you know, their engagement, you know, uh, uh, for, you know, for people listening, you know, uh, for, for people who don't have the experience of putting together an event, you know, there's a lot of things that happen behind scenes. Yeah. And one of them is the preparation with the speakers and the panels and whatnot. You, Julie, you know, you get together with your panel two or three times, mm -hmm. phone calls, you know, what are we, what are we going to talk about? What's the, you know, what's the format? What's the order yes. of the questions blah, blah blah that's time that mm -hmm. you could be dedicating to something else and you decided to you know utilize that time and give it back to the community it is so if i calculate the hours that everybody put in this thing you know four or five hours everybody you know at least four or five hours every individual we're talking about you know more than 1000 hours of you know of free generous you know give back to the community so without yeah. them this would not have been possible. And mm -hmm. of course, I am hoping that they join us back uh, for 2021. We already have 100 speakers confirmed for 2021. I, I still have to announce those speakers, but mm -hmm. I'm already in the very early on, but I'm already in the in the process to organize that. So very thankful for the, with the speakers, very thankful with, you know, we have about 10, 15 sponsors and, you know, very thankful with them for their you know, for believing in us, for believing in what we do, mm -hmm. and, um, you know, for the people who sign up to our event. So I, I don't yeah. want to miss the opportunity to thank everybody, because it's not just Enrique, you know, it's a, it's a community of people, a community you know, of that people. gave something, you know, through this event. Absolutely, absolutely. Wow. I, I, I'm sure that I've, I've already signed on the dotted line. I'm there for 2021. So whatever you need, just let me know. Thank you. Thank you. So I want to ask you this question. Now, I know 10 years in the game of HR, but with a wealth of experiences, you've crossed different work environments. What is your biggest pet peeve about HR that people misunderstand? The biggest pet peeve about HR as a function? As a function. Yeah, you know, it is not listening to people. I think that's my main concern with HR. I don't care about how many mistakes we make. I don't care about how many things, how many times we have to reduce something. What I care is when we do those things and we don't listen to our internal customers within our organizations. Mm -hmm. And that happens because we think we know the answers to the questions and we don't. You know, we should be the champions of questioning. We should, we should be the champions of of asking things that we may know or may not know about. Mm -hmm. But the moment that we decide to turn around the way we have operated 
And instead of finding answers to questions in the workplace, we decide to ask questions and get people to help us find the answers. Yes. We're going to have way better, much better, stronger uh, you know, solutions to the problems that we're dealing with in the workplace. So my biggest pet peeve is the fact that for a long time, we did not uh, sort of ask those questions, but instead we decided that we knew the answer and very often the answer was wrong. And Mm -hmm. that's why we see so much disengagement at work, frustration, stress, anxiety. You know, we see candidates being treated very poorly. Uh, We see, you know, people within their organizations being, being, you know, uh, there's lack of trust, you know, bad leadership. I'm not saying that HR is responsible for all this. But what I'm saying is that if we had the turnaround, the way we operated a long time ago, and we would have started with asking the questions and then getting everybody, rallying everybody around those questions to then Mm -hmm. have everybody help us find the answers, the results would have been different. Mm -hmm. And again, I don't think, you know, I think people forgive a mistake way faster than they forgive, you know, when, when, when a function is a selfish or when a function is you know, the know-it-all kind of thing, right? So if you are going to design something and you think you have the answers and that something goes wrong, I'm going to go harder on you than if you had included me and then it went wrong, but then we were all on the same kind of boat. On the same page, yes. Yes. um, And I think the likelihood of something going wrong when everybody was was in is, is way lower than the likelihood of something going wrong when it was decided just by one group of people mm-hmm. and very often in HR you know if you think about it it's very siloed right HR has all these verticals and you said it at the very beginning of your uh, of your of the, the introduction of the podcast you said you know among HR people we, you know we don't talk to each other but this is not true just across workplaces this is true also within an organization very often mm-hmm. you have HR silos that do not talk to each other yes so imagine if you are somebody working in learning and development, and you're not talking to the people working on onboarding or recruitment or uh, employee experience, you can't design something great for learning and development if you're not talking to your peers in yes. other verticals in the organization. Absolutely. You can't a great learning and development program if you're not talking to the, the end users of the programs mm-hmm. that you're designing. So anyway, that was a long answer to say that my biggest pet peeve in the HR world is not listening to the people that we are supposed to serve. Yeah. Now, if we change that tune, you know, if we are able to acknowledge our mistakes, if we're able to acknowledge our shortcomings and we're able to say very, you know, transparently uh, and we're we're able to tell people, you know, we don't know the answers to these questions. We've Mm got to get everybody together, you know, to, you know, rally them around the questions and then find the answers together. I think people will be, uh, you know, happier and way more engaged with the work of HR. Absolutely. Your answer is long, but your answer was long with context. So very much (laughs) appreciated for the context of it. Now I'm going to ask you that question on the flip side. What's a misconception that people have about HR that you would like to clarify? I think generally people feel that HR is just about the transaction. You know, they, they, you know, HR hires me, fires me, and pays me. That's what HR does. And, you know, it's there when something goes wrong. I I had this experience, Julie, uh, you know, from one of my very early, uh, you know, work experiences. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, this was a small family company. And the company had 
I don't know for what, you know, evil reason had made the determination that they would, that the date to fire people was on Fridays in the afternoons, which yeah. I think is disgusting. Mm. And um, so everybody knew in the company that when you were called from HR on a Friday at 4 p.m., you were going to be fired. So imagine, imagine how terrible that is, right? Yeah. So the, 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 what happened in the company is that a lot of people had this idea that HR was just present when they were going to hire you or when they were going to pay you because we had this, you know, this is many, many years ago when they gave mm -hmm. you pay stops mm -hmm. and then when they were going to fire you. And even though many HR functions continue to operate under those principles of very, you know, transactional work, it, I, I, I have seen across the world how HR has evolved and has become way more than just that. Yes. But to break the sort of the paradigm and to break the, the sort of stigma that we have in HR as being a function that hires, fires, and pays, that takes some, some time. Yes. So I am hoping that people who, listens, uh, who listen, I'm sorry, to this uh, podcast know that, yes, we still have a long way to go to do things better. We know that. You know, we acknowledge mm -hmm. that. And if, if somebody doesn't acknowledge that, they are wrong. We got to yes. acknowledge our shortcomings. We got to acknowledge our failures as a function. But beginning from that acknowledgement, we can easily say, you know what, we're not here just to hire, fire, and pay. We are here to make sure that you have learning opportunities. We're here to, you know, to make sure that you're put in the, in the best place within this company to optimize and maximize and unleash your creative power. We're yeah. here to coach you. We're here to mentor you. We're here to help you through problems that may be happening outside of work, but they may be impacting the work that you do at work. Yes. So we are here for you as your partners, as your allies. And that's something that I, that I am hoping we, we can get to. And it's going to take some time again because, you know, HR has been very transactional for a long time. Mm -hmm. But I think many HR functions across the board, small, medium-sized, uh, large organizations are building that new kind of HR. So slowly, but surely, we are transforming the way uh, sort of people see the, the work that we do in HR and our responsibility within the HR uh, function. Absolutely. And I almost feel like as you were saying that, I could hear like a fanfare in the background because it truly is important that people recognize that while we still have a way to go, we have made strides in terms of people becoming the strategic partners, the business partners and showing their worth. And we still have a way to go and getting organizations to be fully on board. But if we do our part as people in HR, as you said previously, then it's going to make the journey a lot easier for us as we go our way. And yep. the fact that we have a community behind us who supports us, who have the knowledge and the drive to help us get there, it makes it all the more beneficial for us. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. And I want to say something also, just like one more line added, mm -hmm. added to, to, to my answer before. There's research that shows that between 65 and 80% of the people do not trust HR. So we have two options in here. Yes. Option number one, say those surveys are wrong. People trust me. In which case, <laughs> you're going to be missing a big opportunity to do better. Yeah. Option number two is say, you know what? If 65 to 80% of the people do not trust in the work of HR, I want to know why. Because when I know why, I know what I need to transform. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And I have come across both groups of people, the group of people who think that that is not true 
and that people really trust HR and that mm -hmm. HR is doing great and that HR doesn't need to change. I have come across that group of people and I have come across the group of people who say, you know what, uh, you know, that it's painful to see that, you know, yes. it's, it's heartbreaking, honestly. Yeah. You know, when somebody says like, you know, like 80% of the people do not trust in the work that I have, you know, sort of uh, uh, that I have learned to do, that I have prepared myself to do. Mm -hmm. it's, it is heartbreaking. But instead yes. of blaming them, Mm -hmm. for not trusting me, mm -hmm. what I got to do is to ask them, why is it, you know, what, yes. what I'm doing or that I'm not doing mm -hmm. is driving you, your decision to not trust the work that I do. Mm -hmm. And once I get those answers going again, you know, going back to what we said before, once we get those answers, then we're going to be in a much better place yeah. to say, all right, People do not trust us because, you know, we are political. Okay, we got to change that. People do not trust us because, you know, we, it seems that we are only for the leaders and not for the people. Okay, we got to change that. Mm -hmm. But we got to start from the point of yes. you know, being aware of our shortcomings. And to yes. do that, as I said before, we got to ask the questions. Yeah. We got to rally people around the questions and together with them, find the answers. You know, it's so funny that you said that a couple months back, I did an experiment where I used a Mentimeter. I love tech. And I recently, I've got to say about a year ago, I discovered Mentimeter and I started using it in presentations where I would do live presentations with people, ask them questions, ask them to dial in and then ask them to put their comments in. And I asked some people, a group of people to tell me what they thought about HR and as those things came up on the screen from Mentimeter, I was like, oh, my goodness. I felt bad because they weren't talking about me per se, but they were talking about the profession and what they have experienced within their organizations. And some of the words that they used, bullies, arrogant, ignorant, they don't, not trustworthy, all of these words came up to describe how people felt about HR within their organizations. And like you said, I did it because I wanted to understand why, what people are feeling, thinking, doing as they go to HR. It, it stopped me in my tracks. It literally stopped me in my tracks and made me say to myself, I need to share this with other HR professionals so that they can see. So now I have a presentation that I do which is like, what does HR need to start, stop doing and keep doing? And in that, I show that presentation. And when people see it, they're in awe. They can't believe it. They can't believe that people really don't like HR. And they might be the 65% of the people that you, you mentioned before who are like, no, there's nothing wrong with HR. We're the best. We're great. Nothing wrong with us, but not according to the, some people. Yeah. People are saying, no, that's not the, not the case, you know? And those so, are the customers. Those yes. Are, those are our, our internal customers. Absolutely. And if they say so, I mean, once again, you know, like we said before, we got the option to say that it's not true. They are wrong. They're stupid, whatever. Or mm -hmm. we got the option to say, maybe they're right, you know, or, or even, you know, like even more sort of like, uh, you know, maybe more, a more genuine question. What if they are right? Mm -hmm. You know, if we don't want to totally believe in them, what yes. if they are right? You know, what and have we got to lose? Right, we got, yeah. You know, and, and we got to change, you know, if they mm -hmm. are right, if they are not, well, you know, we did the exercise, but exactly. if they are right about the things that we're not doing well, then that becomes such a powerful starting point for Absolutely. us to start changing. Yes. As you leave the sound booth today, 
what are your parting words for HR professionals who are going through COVID-19 right now, still supporting organizations, dealing with layoffs, dealing with um, work, employees working from home? What is your what are your parting words to them? What support, what advice would you give them as they go through this season? I think I would say a couple of things. Um, you know, we have first responders, doctors, you know, paramedics, nurses, you know, firefighters, police officers, military that are in the front line, keeping us safe and healthy. But there's also a front line, there's another battleground and that other battleground is the business battleground, the organizational battleground, battleground, trying to keep our organizations working, operating, thriving, and surviving this very harsh reality for everybody. And I think that business leaders and HR are in the front line of that battleground. So Absolutely. the first thing that I want to say is kudos to HR uh, because it's not easy. And they are doing amazingly despite all the difficulties and the adversities, they are doing you know, the best that they can. Because at the end of the day, we gotta remember, there are also family members, there are also parents, they are also friends with people who are either sick or they have to take care of their children at home or they have to take care of you know, some other family member and, and whatnot. So HR people are trying to solve the problems of the organization while at the same time, they are going through the same pains that everybody else is going through. So mm-hmm. kudos to HR people for, you know, doing their best in the front line of the business battleground as we, you know, transition, you know, go through this very painful time. The second thing that I want to say is that I acknowledge that 90 to 95% of our mental, emotional, and physical bandwidth is dedicated right now to go through the day-to-day because we got to make sure that we still have a job tomorrow. And we mm-hmm. got to make sure that our organization is still working next week and Mm -hmm. I do understand that but if we can dedicate a little bit of our mental bandwidth five percent ten percent to do two things one to take care of ourselves to take care of you know what we do to use this opportunity to reconnect with family to reconnect with friends to ask people you know important questions to you know to meditate to reflect you know to take care of our health and our safety number one and number two if we take a little bit of this bandwidth to think about the day after tomorrow, because this crisis eventually will go away. I don't know what the, what the light at the end of the tunnel looks like, but we know that we're gonna get there at some point. And my hope is that we didn't spend all the time just thinking about how dark the tunnel was, but instead how bright the light at the end of the tunnel can be. Absolutely. And to do that, we can think a little bit about what we want that light to be like, mm-hmm. how we want our organizations to be differently. Mm-hmm. So, you know, summarizing my, my advice, number one, the kudos to everybody in HR for the amazing work that they have been doing. Number two, we understand and acknowledge that they are going through a lot, the same with everybody else, and that they are working pretty hard in the front lines of the business battleground to keep their organizations thriving and surviving, you know, these times of crisis. Mm-hmm. And number three, if they can utilize a little bit of their energy, a little bit of their time mm-hmm. to take care of themselves, but also to think about what do we want our you know, work? What do we want our organizations? What do we want the future to look like? And just to end my, 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 my sort of my uh, recommendations, it is mm-hmm. sometimes it is very overwhelming to think about the largest problems in life. You know, I, 
I want to end poverty in the world. I can't do that. But I can have one person next to me maybe to have lunch that one day. Yeah. What I'm trying to say here is that for HR, it can become very overwhelming to think about all that is happening in the world. But if you think about your smaller circle of influence and power, if you think about all the things that you can do within that circle of influence and power, you stop being powerless and you become very powerful. Mm -hmm. So for you in HR, maybe the maybe the, the job right now, thinking about the future, is not how you will transform all the world and end poverty and end you know the crisis of coronavirus. It is how are we going to you know let our people work from home? How yes. are we going to 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 help our leaders you know develop people as they are meeting virtually? Right. So those things are within your power, power. within your circle of influence, mm -hmm. and you can make them happen. Yeah. Um, you know, we're not, we're, we're all in this together. Nobody's mm -hmm. alone. No. And, you know, last thing is, you know, if you need help, if you need anybody to talk to, there are many people out there helping. There are many people out there talking to others. There are many people out, out there lending their hands, their knowledge, their experience to make sure that as we all suffer in some level because of what's happening today, we mm -hmm. all know that, we're in this together as well. Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much, Enrique. Tell the people where they can find you on social media. LinkedIn is my main channel, so they can mm -hmm. go Enrique Rubio on LinkedIn. I think I should be probably, you know, uh, up there in the, mm -hmm. uh, in, in the search results. Yes, yes. And, you know, they can reach out to me via email, Enrique at hackinghr.io. But, you know, if they do it through LinkedIn, I am always very responsive. So, yes, um, so, yes, you are. Yeah. That's how they can reach out to me. <laughs> Wonderful. And what's next for Enrique Rubio and Hacking HR? Continue building this community, continue helping people, continue building bridges. You know, I, I want to see thousands and thousands of bridges built. You know, we have to tear down the mental and the physical walls. Those things don't work anymore. They never worked, mm -hmm. actually. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, the wall of China never worked. The wall of Berlin never worked. Uh, no walls. Uh, mental or physical will ever work, especially in an extremely interconnected, globalized world. So instead of separating people for the way they look, for the way they think, for the way they, you know, preach or praise, uh, for, you know, for the God in which they believe, instead of separating people for those things, what if we build the bridges that connect us with everybody else and we learn from everybody else? I don't have to mm -hmm. agree with everybody that I'm connected with. You know, mm -hmm. I disagree with a lot of people and a lot of people disagree with me. Mm -hmm. But the fact that we can come together and disagree respectfully, that's way better than not having the opportunity to disagree at all. Exactly. So I think what's next for me and for Hacking HR is to continue inventing and creating bridges that connect people around the world. Like for you, Julie, connecting with people on Slack, with Eric, Tracy, and many other people, that's what I am I'm, I'm dreaming to uh to to continue to do going forward you know to mm -hmm. build those bridges wonderful well thank you so much for your time enrique really appreciate it we wish you all the best and hacking hr and we look forward to seeing you hearing you on linkedin on youtube mm -hmm. wherever we can find you on hacking hr we look forward to that so thanks again thank you thank you so much Thank you for joining us in the sound booth today. I hope that you found this information from this episode useful. You can find me on all social media platforms at I am Julie Turney. That's I am Julie Turney. 
And you can find this episode or this show on most digital platforms, Google Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, you name it, we're there. Thanks to Anchor FM and Rock Solid Entertainment for helping me to put this content together for you. And I will see you again when we next sound off.